0: Hello and welcome to Outback Stories, a podcast about extraordinary people living in the bush. You're joined, as always, by regional journalists Lucy Samuels and Lucy Taylor.
1: I had my first mob of cattle when I was 13 with a pack horse by myself and I had those cattle for four and a half months. 500k.
0: Hello, we're back. Finally. (laughs) It's been a while.
2: Um, So I know we said we'd only be a couple of weeks, but life kind of got in the road, didn't it? It did. Well, I had eight weeks straight of harvest and you were flat out.
0: Tell us about your new job. Oh, yeah, my new job at Fernie Stock Feeds. I'm working in the rural industry for my family and they work for a stock feed mill. Yay. Riveting. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) basically we feed cattle and sheep and chickens and pigs. So if you've got some animals out there, come to Fernies.
2: Quick uh, (laughs) quick advertisement there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to pop it in.
2: How about you, Luce? Um, Well, I was hectic with harvest. It's
0: huge what you're doing.
2: It was amazing, but at the same time, big 16-hour days and eight weeks was a lot longer than I bargained for, but
0: got... Yeah. Lots of money. Yeah. yeah. What's it like being on a team, I guess, of all boys? Because you're the only girl, weren't you?
2: Yeah, it was it was it was good. The boys I worked with were amazing. They literally treated me so well and being the only girl on the team, if something broke down, all I had to do was be like, Guys, come help, help me. me. And they were there in a flash. So it was perfect. It it got tough at some at stages because when you're with boys for that long they kind of start treating you like a, a boy. mate. And I got to that point where I was like, I'm going to have to go and get my nails done or something because they think I'm a boy.
0: <laughs> and it's working late hours, isn't it? Like oh. you are going 24 hours?
2: We, yeah, we were going 20. Well, we, we did have two teams, but the guys I w- was working with, we ended up working 16, 18, 20-hour days. So by the end of it, I was ready to never sit on a chaser bin again.
0: Yeah, I know. Like these tractors
2: are massive. Pretty huge and I was pulling a 25 ton chaser bin.
0: So that was pretty hectic
2: and then it was also quite cool because at the end of it we worked out how much grain we'd actually put through and it worked out, it was something ridiculous but knowing that I'd helped put in that much grain was Hmm. just phenomenal.
0: Yeah. So this week's podcast we went down to Tamworth. Yes we did. We interviewed somebody very, very special.
2: And And someone that we know everyone's been hanging out for. It is Terry Hall, that legendary horseman, drover, camp draft fanatic.
0: And what did you get to do? Well, Terry said, number one, that he'd take me droving. Uh, He did. (laughs) (laughs) Which means getting on a horse basically in the top end and taking cattle as they feed down to a sale yard somewhere in New South Wales or down south, which is nuts. You camp over and you can spend weeks and weeks and months and months on end just on horseback chasing these cattle down south.
2: I I think we'd last about a week.
0: Yeah, I gave myself a week.
2: (laughs) But while we're in Tamworth, it was for the Nutrien Classic, which is huge. It's the biggest horse sale in New South Wales and It has a massive camp draft there and Luce got to experience her first lot of camp drafting. I
0: know, which I didn't know what camp drafting was. So it's basically, and your dad was so good explaining everything to me and so was Terry, um, getting a horse in. You have a certain amount of points to round up this cow and separate it from the lot and then you basically chase it out with a horse through these pegs and then you get points for time.
2: It was pretty cool. Luce got right into it by the end and was a bit of a pro.
0: Yeah, just couldn't believe the fashion. Can't believe the fashion. She went out and
2: bought herself a pair of sparkly jeans and a big belt buckle.
0: I surely did.
2: Woohoo! But yeah, so we have Terry for you now and sit back and enjoy. Okay, so today we are sitting in Tamworth at the ALEX Centre for the classic Camp Draft and Sale, and we are with the man, the myth. The legend Mr. Terry,
0: Hall.
1: Terry Hall. Don't start with a bullshit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are going to start with. That. I think that basically sums <laughs> up <laughs> you, Terry.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, How's it been going here at the at the classic?
1: It's it's been very good, very big, but everything's been going along pretty good. Like there's been a lot of whinges about different things, but I mean that's happens everywhere. I'm a drover, but I. this is what I do at weekends if I can get away, yeah.
2: So you were just saying there's been a lot of wins and you've been quite humble because last night your son won, didn't he?
1: Yeah, well, he's had a very good weekend. No, he was pretty successful last night. Uh, he had a lot of very good runs through the week to get him into the finals and there was quite a bit of money up at the finals and he got most of it. The horses you compete on mainly here is horses that are bought out of the sale the year before, and you bring them back for the classic, which is the big for, one for all the sale horses. And uh, he was fortunate enough to have a couple of good runs and get him some money.
0: Can you tell us a bit about camp drafting and the sport sport in general?
1: Well, you have eight head of cattle in a yard, and you ride in there on your horse and. you Select one of the beasts and you work it up the front of the yard. There's two people on the gate there and you call for the gate, they open it. There's 26 points in the yard. And then you go outside and there's four pegs, Um, first peg, second peg. It could be either left or right. Here you go right, right hand first peg, second peg's left, then through the gate and you've got to take the bullock around and control your horse, control the bullock. And then you've got to judge there, he judges your horse work and your ability to put the beast around. There's 26 points in the yard, there's 4 points for the course and there's 70 points for horsework. So a judge, you might get some judges judge lower than others but... It's usually from 21 to 24 in the yard. Very seldom it gets any higher. It can get very lower. <laughs> um, then outside, well, you've got your four course points. Well, if you go around the four pegs, you get that. Um, then it all depends how your horse performs and goes around.
0: And there's competitions all around Australia, isn't all there? All over Australia. Is it a popular sport?
1: Very popular. It's getting more popular by the day. A lot of people from all walks of life, like there's all sorts of people here. You go and talk to people here, there's bank johnnies, there's office workers, there's bricklayers, anything. But there's quite a few of us that are just stockmen. We take our hats off to the people that work in offices and away from stock because it's, it's we find it difficult enough and we work cattle 24-7 and then they come here and it's a challenge for them.
2: And cattle and horses are really your life, aren't they?
1: Well, that's all we live for.
2: And Because you're a drover. Yes. Can you tell us about driving? Because I've got my rookie sidekick <laughs> here that doesn't actually know what driving is.
1: No, well, driving's... Um, It's changed over the years, but it's still pretty much the same thing. You buy cattle, or people buy cattle, or companies have cattle on their bigger properties up north. Uh, You go up there and you might walk 2,000 head of cattle. You might walk them 2,000k, sometimes only 1,000k. It takes anywhere from three to eight months, sometimes 12 months depending on how, how quick they want the cattle at their bullock-fattening properties. Mostly always steers. Um, you walk them off where they bred, off take, wean them off their mothers, then you walk them all that way down to bullock-fattening properties, which are sort of you come south with them, uh, and it's still out in the Channel Country, especially in Queensland. New South Wales is a little different. You walk cattle a lot of people buy cattle. Then you walk them from the border, maybe way down south, Dubbo. Used to walk right down to Wodonga. We don't go that far anymore because too many humans, and too <laughs> many highways.
0: Yeah, down towards Victoria. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: we try and keep away from Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when
0: did you start?
2: What? How old were you?
1: I had my first mob of cattle when I was 13 with a pack horse and by myself and I had those cattle for four and a half months and I walked them, they were about 500k. Oh
0: my god! It's a long way, isn't it? Not really. (laughs) But
1: it's it's a way of life, we like doing it um, because we breed horses and... Driving is very good for our horses because um, you travel a lot of miles but you're educating the horses to do our sport, the camp drafting.
0: And your dad was a drover, wasn't he? Yeah. You're a fourth my generation.
1: Father, my, well, I'm fourth, my son's fifth generation. He doesn't do so much driving, now he does contract mastering mostly.
0: Yeah, how has droving changed over time?
1: It's only because of the uh, freight, uh, the um, transports, you know, too much. A lot, of, a lot of people like to send their cattle very quick to the grass and other people like to walk the cattle, let them grow, then get there and fatten. The highways have got pretty busy and that's our biggest drama. They've sort of put a lot of bitumen roads on the stock routes and then you've got all the traffic and you've got to be very careful with your cattle and horses then, because it gets a bit dangerous. Well, it's dangerous for everyone.
0: So what's a usual kind of day in the life of a drover? Where do you stop over at night when, it, when you <laughs> want to go to sleep? I don't know, all these simple questions. <laughs> We're just thinking no, of a hotel. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're supposed to do 10k a day. It depends on water for your cattle and horses, but uh, so it's usually 10 to 10 to 20k a day, which is easy enough day to do. And you got your truck with you with your beds and tucker and everything. Um, at night we got put electric tape up. You put your cattle in a tape and your horses in another tape on grass so that keeps them where years ago we used to ride watch you'd have to ride around them all night uh, to keep them together now we use electric tape which makes it a lot better and people get more sleep <laughs> but no everything um, it sounds a bit simple but it's not it's you got to plan everything and you got to make sure your cattle get water all the time, and sometimes that gets a bit difficult because you got to do ten k to twenty k to get a decent drink, and if you go on twenty k a day, well, you usually hang about at a bore or a river or whatever where the water is uh, until about lunchtime, then you walk five or six k, camp the night, to the next day. You're at the next water, uh, lunchtime or a little after.
0: So, how did you learn where the water
1: was? Well, nowadays there's signposts everywhere for, oh. for the simple people. Yeah. <laughs> but, now we, you sort of, over the years, you know where all the waters are. You've got to keep check on them, make sure that they're full when you get there and all that sort of thing. If they're bores, and tanks and that, but a lot of places is dams and creeks. Well, you just got to make. We always ride ahead for three or four days. Like when we're sitting around at la- until lunchtime to water the cattle today. Well, I might canter ahead for twenty or thirty k just to check it out, make sure.
2: So what? What do you think? What has been your biggest drive? biggest operation you've been involved in
1: well we've had cattle on the road for 12 months at a time but the biggest the longest check was 25k at uh, 2500k sorry yeah yeah but that that took us eight months
2: and are they big operations like do you have many men working for usually
1: you? anywhere from um, four to six
2: i bet you've come across some characters
1: there's plenty of characters. <laughs> there's plenty of people that try and cause you bother. But um, no, we've had a lot of very good people that we run into and we've had a lot of very good characters that have worked for us.
2: Any good stories?
1: Oh, there's always stories, but sometimes you're better, enough, better off not telling them. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's very good. Years and years ago, when I was only 13 or 14, I had two old men used to work for me. My father, when he was 18, he worked for them. When I was 14, 14 and 15, those two old fellows worked for me. Really? And they were alcoholics. Um, It didn't matter to them whether they rode 20k to town overnight to get right on them. (laughs) <laughs> the grog. And, and they'd be there at daylight in the morning.
2: So like consistent.
1: Good. Yeah, had no money, just whatever you give them and the way they'd ride just to get on the grog. Yeah. Yeah. And that was their way of life. I never used to drink. I never drank until I was about 40, actually. But um, they were very good, fun times with two old men that had drove all their life, but never ever saved their money, and never ever done anything. Just continue on work and drink, and that was it. Yeah. It was a way of life for them. It's a way of life with a lot of them at the moment too. I think.
2: Do you think it's a way of life for you? No. No.
1: No. no I'm always been for educating my young horses that we breed, and looking after the cattle.
2: And with the horses, you have a pretty special stallion, don't you?
1: Oh, I do now,
2: yeah. I feel like most people would know the name Conman in Australian stock horses and in those yeah. circles. Can you tell us about him?
1: Oh, well, we bred him and um, my wife, she thinks she bred him. Um, we had his mother and then I had a young stallion that I was working for a, for a bloke and he got hurt off the stallion, so we swapped horses. I swapped him a quiet mare for the stallion. And then the stallion was very good, but he was just too smart for the man at the time. And then my wife decided to put that stallion over a very good mare called Romance, and we got Conman. And Conman sort of gets about 300 mares a year to him. He's won everything, and... He had three years on the road as well, because that's where we educate everything. So he's pretty special to you? He's pretty close there.
2: Because <laughs> how old's he now?
1: He's 21 now.
2: So does he, he's in the paddock and just no, comes No, 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 night?
1: no, he's never been let out of the paddock. No. He's, he's either been on the road with me or in stables at home. We've had a, other stallions that we've tried and educated and didn't make the grade so they go by the wayside Then, but him he's been pretty special.
2: Did you know? Did you know he was going to be special?
1: After you ride a few young horses you know when one's special and that and he he was pretty special right from the word go and we just um, we never planned out on him being everyone's specialty. Just our horse, but uh, it became noticeable when we were drafting him that he was very good, and then everyone wanted to breed to him. And so now it's sort of another uh, page in our life where we just—I don't get away driving as much as I like to because I got a an old lady, my wife. I got to stay home and help her with the stallion and. and uh, <laughs> That sort of um, steadied me up from going away, but different parts of the... see, now we've finished breeding. Now, like from August till probably February, end of January, then I sneak away with, <laughs> the, with the young horses and educate those.
0: So how many droves do you think you have left in you?
1: Quite a few, I hope. Oh, good. <laughs> I hope. But the way... Things have changed that much, the uh, price of cattle, they've taken the stock routes, fenced the stock routes often, especially in New South Wales, not so much in Queensland. Uh, the government doesn't look after the stock routes as much as they probably should, but um, then there's not as many drovers now as there used to be either. So the government sort of slacked off on looking after the stock routes. We sort of look after them a bit ourselves. uh, And then a lot of people just want to transport their stock from A to B, uh, where years ago, well up until three or four years ago, it used to be walk the cattle, grow the cattle, let the feed grow on the bullock-fattening places, then put the steers there.
0: Do you think droving's a more natural way, I guess, to get a... How fat in a better way than doing transport?
1: It was. Mm. But then now you've got people in offices that run cattle stations. They miss the point of that. And what do you think the point is, I guess? Well, that's the point is you uh, wean a steer up there off their mother. It's all education and they grow and... They well, you start with the steer about 280 kilos. You have him for six, seven months, and he could be 320, 330 kilos when you get him there. So he's growing, put on a little bit of weight, and you've educated him. So when you put them on the big bullock places,
2: they don't run through fences. They, they don't. They're not
1: hard to master and all that. So. You, Every, a lot of people use helicopters now, and that runs the weight off the cattle if they're running around. Uh, if after you walk them for seven or eight months, they don't run about. When you go to get them when they're big and fat, like 600 kilos, 12 months, 18 months later. Mm. So it was a lot better way and a lot more profitable for the, for the companies
0: I was gonna say that imagine now. Imagine the price of cattle now if you drove them. It'd be ridiculous.
1: Well, that's a thing and um, but they miss the point there.
0: Do you think it'll phase out
2: droving? Do you think there's a kind of an end date to it or
1: Well, I think it probably will. It's like everything. <laughs> there's a beginning and an end. Oh no. And uh, and there's not a not a lot of people doing it the way it should be done and looking after the stock
2: and that like with the horses so you said you educate all yours on the road do you think you would have got as far with the horses if you weren't driving
1: no definitely not no. See, everyone rides them in sand yards now and little arenas and try and educate a horse driving you ride him 60 or 70 k a day you don't think you are, but when you're riding around cattle all the time and 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 a horse doesn't realise how many miles he's doing. And all the time you're correcting him, if he does some little thing wrong, you can just correct him uh, without upsetting him. And they learn a lot quicker.
2: And I have to ask... How did you go with corona and not being able to move around and go on these trips or go camp drafting?
1: Well, it didn't bother me that much because I was in Queensland.
2: God's country. (laughs) Oh, no. And
1: uh, we still had our work and we were buying a lot of cattle still off um, auction plus and all that sort of thing and the transports were allowed to cart them. We were buying cattle in Queensland, like up north, and they brought them in uh, and I still had to uh, process the cattle Um, and we used to buy them and then draft them up, which is all done on horseback, um, to come in to be drafted up and photographed and put on auction plus and Wade and all that, so everything still, it was quite good for the horses. Yeah. And it kept us a bit sane. <laughs> <laughs> I felt sorry for the people over the border who were locked up and weren't allowed to go anywhere. But, yeah. But, no, we were quite all
2: right. Have you found a horse that will replace con men? No. Never will?
1: No, I don't think so. We're here at this big sale now and there's a lot of con-man foals going through, but they don't do the work he did or any of our horses did. Everyone says, are you going to get a horse as good as him? I'd like to get one better, but it's nearly impossible. He's the best. We keep trying.
2: So how many progeny do you think there is at, on the grounds today? Oh,
1: I'd say there'd be well over a thousand here.
0: Oh, my That just blows gosh. your mind, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's
1: been – it is very big. If my wife was here, she's got them all marked off in the book. Because Chris see, is very six,
2: big into the breeding, isn't yes. she? Yes.
1: Well, see, there's 600 horses in the sale – And I would say there's um, at least 150 of them at Commands. That's just roughly. Plus the ones we're out here that are not in the sale that everyone's competing on.
2: And is it just camp drafting that he's big in?
1: No, everything. Everything?
2: Yep, everything.
1: Polo cross, polo shows, all sorts. So
2: you're a bit of a legend in the sport, aren't you?
1: Oh no! I just, I just poke about. He says with a smile,
2: <laughs> as everyone who walks past him. Terry, yeah, how yeah. long? It, how long did well, it take us to get from the actual Alec to here? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we came around the long way because I know what happened. <laughs> but it's, it's been very good. Like those two little boys stand there; they're waiting for a bus to take them way up the back. But mm. like, like they know who I am. And they. They might turn up here later and ask questions. And that's what it's all about.
2: Do you love that? Yeah. The new generation? No, I like,
1: I like helping all, all the young ones.
2: And do you think the sport's heading in the right direction?
1: Oh, it's going well, but there's uh, a lot of people, how you say it, it's, uh, think it's very easy and it's a very good sport, but, I mean, you've got to do it properly or it can be very dangerous. And A lot of people come here and buy horses uh, which they pay too much money for and they're not quite as good a rider as, as the horse they buy and that, that's where it's a, a little hard. We get a lot of people come to us and we try and tell them you know, that that horse is a very nice horse but he's far, too far advanced for them. Without trying to upset them. But, you know, you don't you don't want to upset anyone, but we find it's better to tell them the truth.
2: Yeah. Oh, it would save someone getting hurt. Yeah. Well, so I have one last question, Terry. Yes. So if you decide to go on a drive in the next year, would next you take t- me? <laughs> next
1: couple of months.
2: Next couple of months. Oh, what? Would you take Lucy driving with you? Yes. Lucy Samuels, I might yeah, say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You would? Yeah. Do you think she has potential? See, we... (laughs) (laughs) Pause. He's trying to be nice
1: about it. No, see, we have a lot of uh, school kids come. I've had people come up to me in the stands (laughs) the last few days and ask could they come with us because they want to learn more about... It's not so much the horses, it's more about cattle See, a lot of people are learning about the horses, but when you go out there to chase a dumb beast like a cow or steer or whatever, you've got to be careful how you go about that.
0: You think well, I don't
1: know good? any of that. No, but see, I'll show <laughs> you, you teach all that. Him. Yeah. Oh. Well, it tries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, I am
0: blonde after you all. You
1: are blonde. And, uh, <laughs> that's a... Big task on its own. <laughs> she, she will drink
2: rums with you, though. Yeah, She'll right. drink you under the table.
1: That's alright. Yeah. No, uh, no it, it's, a, it's a very good sport, and there's a, a lot of people out there wanting to do it. A lot of people are not prepared to go and learn how to do it properly to keep themselves safe. Yeah. Because there's a lot involved in it. You know, there's, you know, you got to think of other people it's at the show you know someone gets hurt
0: ruin it for everyone
1: well it ruins everything Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Yeah. well thank you terry Uh, just sitting down with us we love talking to you we're going for several rums now yeah i'm keen for a rum.
1: you don't don't have to keep um, (laughs) hinting about having a drink i was going to offer you (laughs) (laughs)
2: i'm just saying i'm a bit parched (laughs)
0: Well, Terry is just a funny, charismatic, great man. He's just bloody incredible. He is, isn't he?
2: My favourite part of that whole day was literally walking from the sale arena to his truck and it took us, what, half an hour to get there because every person was like, Terry, Terry, yeah, hey Terry, Terry. Terry.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, we get it, he's famous. i tell you what I really liked is that he said, the enjoyment that I get out of my job now is to see young people because he stopped off and spoke to those two young boys who were waiting for the bus at the event. And he said, my enjoyment is actually teaching them now what camp drafting is all about. Yeah, literally preparing
2: the next generation. Also, we have to add Ben Hall, Terry's son, (sighs) the night before he won the classic camp draft, which is huge. It's massive. And he won 50 grand for winning it. But on top of that, he was riding a horse. They're one stylish Pepto horses and they had incentive running that if you won a draft on one of these horses, you got another 50 grand
0: and he got it a hundred grand in one night. Yeah. And they're all very, you know, they carry on as though nothing's kind of happened. So unbelievably humble. It's not funny, but what a good
2: job nutrients done for that event it is huge and it's such a family orientated event i couldn't get over that there are people everywhere it's the
0: biggest camp draft in australia isn't it one of them well, the sales oh, i yeah. think the sales it's the biggest sale it might be i think so But anyway, we just wanted to thank Terry and Chrissy for having us in your horse float and for talking to us. And giving us a
2: really good insight into what droving is all about. And we cannot wait to head up north, follow some cattle, get loose on a horse. I know. Because we're actually planning Season 2 of Outback Stories at the moment and we're heading to Queensland. So hit us up with your recommendations, people that you think would be great to interview
0: because that is where we're going to be based. This episode was produced by Rihanna Mooney, music by Nate Skulls. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you're feeling generous and follow our journey on all of our social media pages.